Always good to be in the house of God. I'm so glad for what God is doing. And uh want to say Happy New Year to everyone. Can everyone hear me? No? All right. Sister Parker, if you could turn me up some more, I'm sorry. And uh, say Happy New Year to everyone. 2016. Good to be in a new year. Good to see what God is doing in our lives. Y'all forgive me. Sometimes my voice does this, so don't be weirded out. <laughs> Last week, we were speaking on conquering anxiety. And um, we kind of came to pretty much the end of that. You know, when we look at a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about, anxiety, depression, um, we talked about discouragement, uh, but mainly depression, fear, anxiety. You know, another word for fear is phobia. And uh, you name it, they've got got over a hundred different types of phobias. Um, that they diagnose folks with. Um, and so it's a, it's a, it's a problem. It's a serious problem for a lot of folks, but I want to make sure I, I, I clarify again, a lot of the stuff that we're talking about, the angle I'm coming from is from a spiritual perspective. When we deal with folks, and, and again, I have to say this, when we're dealing with folks that are outside of what we know, outside of the truth, and don't have a knowledge of what we have or what we know, um, they don't have anything to draw from. So there are agencies and things out there, okay? You just want to make sure we're careful when we're trying to encourage folks. We have the truth, and we know where the answer is. But if a person is not ready to receive that answer, they may need to go see those medical professionals in the meantime. And, you know, I don't knock medicine. I don't knock science. You know, I believe that all those things are in place. God has allowed those things to be in place to help. Amen. Thank God for our doctors. Thank God for our medical professionals, those who study and and are able to uh, help out in those areas. Amen. But the greatest help we can ever find is in God. Every answer we need is in him, and I'm so glad to know him for myself. Amen. When, you know, I, I was talking to Pastor, you know, uh, last week, but it's amazing how when you're in trying to encourage other folks, you know, talking about things and trying to push people through and say you can make it, and it's amazing how many things come your way. But I'm so glad to know that it's not a hopeless situation. Amen. I've got hope in God, and I'm glad to know that. You know, I was just, you know, praying this morning, like, God, I'm just, I'm glad that I have a refuge. I'm glad that I have a way out. I'm glad I have someone to talk to. And I don't have to wait until, you know, 7 o'clock in the morning to call somebody at a decent hour. I can get up and call on the name of the Lord 
and reach him for myself. And I'm so glad for that. And it's God. He is the common denominator. No matter what we talk about, he is the common denominator. When we're talking about the solution to everything that we need, every problem that we face. And so when we're talking about facing our giants. It's not just enough to face them. But we want to conquer them. Amen. And God gives us the ability to do that. And so even with anxiety, it doesn't matter what it is that we encounter. You know, those are just things that we get as a result of the weakness of this flesh. But the Bible tells us not to walk in the flesh, but to walk where? In the spirit. Amen. Because why? What's what? I mean, what, what, why shouldn't we walk in the flesh? It's the enemy of God. What else? The flesh is weak, right? <laughs> you know, I always, when I'm praying, I'm like, God, I can't do this on my own. I don't trust myself to make the right decisions on my own. I'm okay with admitting that because I know where I stand without him. It took his power to bring me to the point that I'm at now. And it's going to take his power to keep me on the right path and keep me doing the things that I need to do. So a lot of times I'm like, Lord, you help me. I have a desire to be right, God, but I can't do it on my own. Give me the power to do so. Give me the anointing in my life to do so. Help me to stay focused. Lead and guide me. Direct my footsteps. Let your word guide my my footsteps. Plant me where you want me to be. I don't want to be without you. And that's what's going to help. Amen. If I find myself in the presence of God, I won't find myself worried. Be anxious for nothing. Right. But in everything, what? Prayer and supplication. Let your request be made known unto who? You ain't got to call up your friends all the time. Amen. Let your request be made known unto God. And God will answer our prayers. He's already promised it. Amen. So let's move on into conquering temptation. We're going to go to Luke chapter 11, verse 4. And I hope that these lessons are a blessing to you all. I know it's blessing me. A lot of times I keep going back and I just keep getting more. And it's like, all right, Lord, I'm trying to keep up. Luke chapter 11, verse 4. If you have it. You can indicate so by saying amen. All right. Jesus says he's talking to the disciples and he's telling them about the model of prayer or how you can pattern your prayer. And in this passage, he tells them, he says, when you pray. Say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. As in heaven, so in earth. And I know that's a little different than what we remember it. Matthew quotes it a little bit differently. But it's saying the same thing. Thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. Did you know that God's will is already established in heaven? So everything in earth should just 
follow suit with what's already been established. So I like the way he puts it as in heaven, so in earth. Give us this day our or excuse me, give us day by day our daily bread. And look at verse four and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us to us and lead us not into temptation. But what? So Jesus associates in this prayer temptation with what? Y'all see that, right? I just want to make sure everybody's seeing what I'm seeing. I'm not making this up. All right, so temptation. Jesus, obviously, it's important enough that Jesus puts it in the prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Merriam-Webster defines temptation as a strong urge or desire to have or do something, especially something that is bad, wrong, or unwise. Temptation is not necessarily a test. A test is a process which requires the testee to meet a certain expectation. A test consists of a conglomeration of prior experiences that measure our proficiency in the tools that we've gained from those experiences. So in essence, a test requires us to live up to something. To live up to, right? That's what a test does. But we distinguish between a test and temptation. Okay? If the test is taken successfully, it will measure progress. On the other hand, temptation is designed to minimize the value of a person or situation. It requires us to regress into something that will eventually result in spiritual imprisonment and death. Temptation is easy to give into. Doesn't really require much, right? And you look around, you can find temptation anywhere. It seems like there's a never-ending supply or demand <laughs> for something that's tempting, right? But it takes effort to push and overcome those temptations. To disregard those things. Now, let's just let's just put it out there. First and foremost, temptation is not your sin. Everybody with me? Temptation is not your sin. Now, the reason why I say it that way is because when the enemy presents temptation. That in and of itself, the nature of that presentation is already a violation. Y'all with me? I'll, I'll expound in just a minute. I'll bring out a point. But the way he presents it, what he presents is already a violation to God's principles. But it's not your sin until you embrace it. So let's let's think back. Adam and Eve, right? 
We always talk about the beginning story. Because this is the reason why we where we at. So we think. Adam and Eve in the garden. Satan was too coward to approach Adam. So he approached Eve. That was his choice. God spoke according to the scripture. God gave the command to who? Adam, right? Right? So I got to go a roundabout way. <laughs> That's what temptation is. It's Satan's way of circumventing God to get to you. Because in a test, God prescribes what you get. But in temptation, the enemy presents to you what you're not supposed to have. Y'all with me? I'm not trying to make I'm not trying to be mysterious and all that, but this is how this is how it came to me. I was like, wow, that's pretty good, Lord. I didn't think of it that way before. So I'm glad I'm getting it on tape so that way I can go back and take notes again. (laughs) But that's what happens. Now, look what he did. He talked to Eve. He convinced Eve. Well, before he convinced her, he enticed her, right? To do what? Eat from the tree. Seems simple enough, right? All I'm asking you to do is eat from the tree. What's the big deal? And somehow he he persuaded Eve to look at it differently than what she did before. He reduced the importance of what God established in the mind of Eve. And when she accepted that, she embraced it, she indulged, and as a result, sin was introduced. But before she did that, she had a decision to make. Now, Satan was at fault to begin with. But Eve hadn't sinned yet. Until she partook. Right? So, in the presentation, he's presenting a violation the same way he did with Jesus. The things he asked Jesus to do. It was a violation to God's principles, to God's law. That's the fault of the enemy. He pays the penalty for that. But when we embrace it, now we're at fault. We're in violation. And then we pay the penalty for our decision, our reaction. So God doesn't punish you for the temptation. He punishes you for partaking in the temptation, embracing it, and as a result, sinning against God. Temptation is going to present sin, period. Because the very source or the very essence of temptation is sin. That's what I'm getting at. Are y'all with me? I'm trying I'm just trying to make sure nobody's confused about where I'm going. 
as we go through this, okay? So now, if we look at the nature of temptation, we know where it comes from. We understand that temptation is not what God holds us accountable for, but it's how we respond to it. So here's what's interesting. Remember we talked about how you think, right? How you process things. Remember, you have been given a, the power to make a decision. There is power in that. So we said last week, when you have a made-up mind to do something, that equals the will. So it's no mystery that the enemy, he continues to produce things in the world to try to get people to make up their mind to do the wrong things. Because if he can get, your mind, get you to make up your mind to do the wrong things, you will to do what's wrong. Well, when you will to do what's wrong, you automatically will to do what's not right. Which makes you a violator. Now, sometimes that is done in ignorance. Unfortunately, what does the scripture say? My people perish because of what? Lack of knowledge. Some people don't know. But it does not excuse us from the activities that we partake in. God has given us something way back when, from day one, God has given us something called a conscience. I believe that conscience is patterned after God's principles, God's characteristics. That's what the conscience does. So when we do something wrong, what happens? Our conscience kicks in, right? So you may not know that it's wrong to kill somebody, maybe according to the law of the land or maybe according to the scripture. But your conscience is going to kick in. You don't believe me? Look at Cain and Abel. No written laws. There was no discussion about murdering somebody. First two kids, first two siblings on the earth. They present a gift to God and God accepts one and didn't accept the other. Cain's offering was not accepted. Some say because of the condition of his heart. Cain gets jealous. One day decides to take his brother's life. God approaches Cain and says, Cain, where's your brother? <laughs> I always think, man, Cain had the audacity to respond to God that way. First of all, you told, I mean, you just boldly lied. I do not know. And then you're going to question God. What do you think I am, my brother's keeper? To me, that's pretty bold. But why do you think he responded that way? Why do you, why do you think he lied? If he didn't see anything wrong with it, if he didn't know it was wrong, he probably would have said what? Oh, I just killed him. I just, you know, I took a rock and bashed his head in. He's bleeding and stuff. I guess that means he's dead, whatever that means. He's just not responding anymore. 
Oh, but he knew. You know what's crazy to me about Cain? You go through all of that. First of all, it wasn't even your brother's fault. You didn't solve the problem. God, you know, Satan is so upset with God, he can't get at God. So he'll try to get at what's close to God. That's why he comes after us. He can't do anything with God. He already knows that. He's already defeated. But he'll do what he can to circumvent. You know what they call that in school now? Bullying. Think about it. That's what bullies do, right? They can't hand, they can't solve the problems that they have, so they take it out on somebody else. I ain't got nothing to do with your problem. But you gonna bully me. So Let's look at the causes. I mean, we already started talking about it, but let's look at some of the causes for temptation. I look at two main ones. You can put subcategories if you want, but two of the main responsibilities there, two of the main elements, is Satan and the flesh. So, Satan is the enemy, and his agenda is to destroy every soul, right? First Peter chapter five. First Peter chapter five. Verse eight. It's up on the screen. Okay. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, so there's no ambiguity there. Everybody knows who we up against, right? Can I say something? <clears throat> a lot of times we, in, our, in living life, we can get to a point, and this is kind of filtering into one of the other lessons, but I'm not going to go too, too much into it. Well, we, if we're not careful, we can end up fighting against the wrong enemy. The scripture clearly states to us who our adversary is. So that means that my brother and my sister, look, it doesn't matter how much you get on my nerves. A lot of times we just get bothered because of our own preferences. Things I like, you don't like. Right? My colors are blue and black. What did you say? You like red? Green Bay Packers? <laughs> I know I'm in Wisconsin. <laughs> it's okay. I forgive y'all. I love y'all. <laughs> but you it's it's easy to get bent out of shape over many old things. 
I watch my children sometimes and it's like, you know, <clears throat> I see them bickering. And I look at it, I'm like, so I have to examine what what is the problem? I'm constantly asking that question. I feel like a judge half the time. Just what's the problem? Let's figure this out. And when they get to what they're bickering about, y'all fighting over that? Man, we got terrorist groups running around killing people and stuff. Y'all fighting over this? And it sounds funny, but you know what's crazy? And I explain this to my kids. As it goes on, it starts out with simple things. How do we get to the point where siblings are just willing to out, just blatantly shoot or take the life of another sibling? That's what we just finished discussing, right? All because people don't know who their real enemy is. So it's easy for me to backstab you, my sister, because you, your favorite colors ain't mine. Now, that's the way it started. But God forbid I walk by and try to shake your hand and you didn't shake my hand. Now I got a problem with you. For real. She thinks she's somebody. Just so happened you bought a new car last week. Yeah, she thinks she's something now. It's all right. It's okay. I didn't want to say hello anyway. That's how it starts. That's how it happens between members and the pastor too sometimes. God forbid the pastor say something. If he's preaching the truth, he's doing what God told him to do. It doesn't matter what I think about it. Really. The intent is to save my soul. But I didn't like what he said. It seemed like to me, passed up there on the platform, he preaching on me. You know, the next time I'll come back here. And you know what? I know it sounds funny. I'm 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 not trying to be funny, but it happens. And I can only present it to you the way it comes to me. Because if I was in that position, that's probably what, I ain't coming back here. You used to be my brother. Peace. Over what? Because he said, I got to stop fornicating. Because he said, I got to break these addictions. I got to put down the pack of cigarettes if I want to go to heaven. Come on, y'all. This is. Right? But the pastor is not your enemy. Your brothers and sisters are not your enemy. And oh, by the way, who you think your enemies out there in the world, those are not your enemies. That's why the Bible says, pray for them which despitefully use you. Those who persecute you. That's why Jesus responded the way he did. 
You know what he said on the cross, right? Forgive them. Why? They have no clue. They don't realize the influence that they're under. Well, if we trace that back, we can be in the same boat. All it takes is just giving in to the enemy little by little. Starts with little things. In combat, they say it's the small things, a lot of times the simple things that cause the most casualties. And not even in combat anymore. We talk about when we do our safety briefs and stuff and we brief people about, you know, drive safe, have a plan. I always thought it was crazy. You're going to tell somebody that's going to, to intentionally drink alcohol and get drunk to have a plan. I heard somebody else say your plan goes out of the window when you decide to drink. Well, they said drink and drive, but I say when you decide to drink. If you try to make a plan when you're going to get drunk, it's too late. But they tell him, says, you know, make sure you have a plan. Make sure you're safe because there's a lot of casualties being claimed, vehicle accidents, so on and so forth. But it's the simple stuff. Why do I drink? What's my purpose for drinking? Now, I'm talking to you as someone who was involved. Thank God for deliverance. This is not a matter of teaching at you. It's a matter, it's a matter of sharing with you because that's what we do. Sharing the word of God, right? That's what we do. I'm, I thank God for deliverance, but I tell you what. I'm not the man that I used to be. I already forewarned y'all. You know, there's times I become transparent. I ain't going to tell you all my business. But just so you know, a lot of the stuff that, that comes to mind when I'm studying and when I'm thinking about a lot of, you know, thinking about the word of God, I think about what God has brought me from. I look back on it and I say, what was the point of me doing the, the things that I was doing? Where was it getting me? But you know where it started? Giving in little by little. I tell you all the story. Excuse me. You know, me and my wife, we was newly married. <clears throat> first year, first two years in marriage. And I remember... At one point in life, you know, we was trying to figure out how to get more money and, you know, be able to do better. And I have made my wife a promise, you know, when we got married, I told her, I said, hey, if you want to work, you're more than welcome to. I said, but I will work three jobs before you have to work one. So the point in time came where I had to get another job. At least that's what I felt like was necessary at the time. So I took up a. Pizza delivery job. I get off of work, you know, I was in the Marine Corps at the time. I get off of work and then have maybe a few minutes to change. Sometimes I go straight from work, straight uh, straight from my job in the military and go straight to the pizza uh, store. Deliver in my car. 
So I made some deliveries, and some nights it would just seem so slow. Or it just seemed like I was so tired, and so I started listening to music. Started listening to classical music. Ah, ain't no big deal. You know, Bach, Mozart. It's okay. Classical music became jazz. Ain't no big deal. Ain't no words. They just skip it, skip it, do do skip, scat, scat, and you know all the other. Jazz wasn't enough. I started listening to reggae. You know, I don't understand anything they're saying, but I like the beat. Yeah, I'm on. They saying, you know, country music. Country music. They saying, you know, R&B. R&B, hip-hop. And before you know it, I'm listening to rap. It's all good now. But it wasn't. Because the whole time, my whole mentality, my mindset, everything was changing. I was conforming to the world. And all it was, the enemy just kept feeding me little by little. And I kept giving in little by little. Had I been praying, had I been listening to message, preaching messages, have I, had I been studying, had I been reading and doing the things that I know to do, I wouldn't have, I would have recognized what was happening. Messed me up. By the time I wanted to change, I, was, I felt like I was in such a bad state. I just felt like I didn't have any control. It was bad. For me, it was bad, and then, you know, it was bad for my family. It's because of God's grace that we are who we are today. Oh, I love it. I love what God has done. I can't outdo him. He's the master artist. But had it not been for him, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be able to enjoy what I've been able to enjoy in my family and the places that I've been and the people that I've come in contact with. And I certainly wouldn't be able to be in a position to encourage anybody else. But that's where it starts. Satan knows. See, he's able to tempt you, though, because of your flesh. Look at what the scripture says real quick. First Peter chapter. We went there. We read it. Uh <clears throat> Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion. Look, it says, as a roaring lion. Didn't call him a roaring lion. It says, as a roaring lion. And like I always say, a lion, they say a lion will only roar for a couple of reasons. And one of them is, if he can't get to his prey. 
National Geographic, they did some studies and they say that what the lion does is they roar to try to intimidate their prey or mark their territory. Because if you know anything about the character of a lion, if he's if he's trying to get his prey, he's crouching as low as he can to blend in. Oh, man, that's a message right there. Until he can get close enough to pounce on you. And then it's too late. But he's looking, walking about, seeking whom he may devour. Now, there's one word that stands out to me in that scripture, and that's the word may. Guess what? We teach our kids when they ask for something, we try to teach them, says, they say, can I have something? I don't know. Can you? But we tend to say, may I? Because now you're asking for permission to get something. He's looking to seek, or he's seeking to, for someone that he may devour. He needs permission. Now watch this. In a test, God allows some tests to come your way. And the enemy has to go through just like he did with Job, right? To mess with your life. But God sets the conditions. Y'all with me? Now watch this. Remember I told you temptation is the enemy's way of circumventing God to get to you. So if he can get you to grab on to what he's enticing you with, now he sets the conditions. It's not a test. Is temptation and you're failing because you're given directly to the enemy. Through a test, God is your buffer. But in temptation, there is no buffer. That's why God gives you power. I have to wrap this up, but that's why God gives you power. To overcome the enemy. He gives you power by his spirit. What does he say? He says, Resist the devil. There's no reason why a child of God should be running, hiding, trying to get away from the devil. If I'm running, I'm running the Christian race toward my goal, but I'm not running from the enemy. All I got to do is stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. That's how you resist the devil. Don't have a conversation with him. All you're doing is, do you not know he's been around for longer than we have? Oh, he's heard all the conversations. And he knows how to manipulate the situation. You sit there and try to have a conversation if you want to convince him that you are victorious. No, nah, devil, you ain't going to get me. I'm going to win this one. I'm going to overcome. No, nah, devil, no. Nah. See, you try to get me that time, but I, I'll see how smarted you. I'm about to turn left. See, I tricked you out. And you having this conversation. Before you know it, he got you so wrapped up, you don't even know where you're going. To resist the devil means to focus on God. 
Really, that's what it is. Think about it. That's where the power comes from, right? So if God is glorified, if he's exalted, then everything else has to submit. Y'all with me? Did I lose anybody? We resist the devil by turning our focus. When you first got saved, what did you have to do? What did he say do? It starts with what? Peter said what on the day of Pentecost? Acts chapter 2 verse 38, he said what? What? Men and brethren, what shall we do? What does that word repent mean? Turn. Change your focus. Change your destination. Change the way that you're traveling. I don't need to give my attention to the enemy. That's what he wants. Oh, man, this is... Listen, you don't have to be overcome by temptation. That is not God's desire. In fact, the scripture tells us that it is not God's will. He does not desire for anyone to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Now, here's the second thing. Satan, yes, while he is the influencing factor, he cannot force you to do anything that you don't will to do. But notice what he's enticing. It's not your soul. Your soul is patterned after God. It's the flesh. He's enticing the weakness of the flesh. That's why Paul tells us, walk in the spirit so that you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. All that is in the world, I believe in 1 John chapter 2, 16, right? The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, right? Guess what that all has to do with? Self. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his You're tempted because of yourself, what your flesh desires. And he knows the stuff that make you tick. He knows the stuff that you used to indulge in, the stuff that used to make you feel good. He knows how to come at you. He knows if you don't like spearmint gum, but you like Wrigley's, uh, what's the other one out there? Right? You don't like spearmint? That's okay. I got some juicy fruit right here. Yeah. Lord have mercy. So, (laughs) Jesus help us. But he knows what you like. So he's going to present what you like, and he's going to make it look real good. Y'all seen them billboards and signs with all them meals and stuff? We always talk about it. Cheeseburger. You know, Culver's got the nice little burger set up. The display is real nice. And you go in there, and half the time, now the buns do look kind of close. But the burger don't always look the way it look in the picture. It's still good. It just don't look the same. The enemy will do what he can to fabricate. He'll do what he can to make that presentation look so voluptuous. And before you know it, if you ain't careful, you didn't give it in. But you don't have to. 
The flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. That's why we have to walk in the spirit. Can I finish this? Can I finish this? Just give me like three more minutes. Is that okay? I know I'm over my time. I'm sorry. How do we combat temptation? First of all, patience. The flesh is not willing to wait. But let patience have her perfect work. In your patience, possess Got to be willing to wait, right? So here's what it means to me, to wait. Keep trusting God. Keep relying on his promises. If he said he's going to do it, he will do it. To wait, keep serving God. That don't mean just sit there and be idle. Stay in his presence. To wait means to keep glorifying God. Remember what he has provided you. He's given you power. He's given you authority. So if you got that power and that authority, you can exercise what God has given you because you're exercising it on his behalf. You want to overcome temptation? Be filled with joy. This is my biggest thing, joy. Joy. There should be nothing in, on the, in this world, on this earth, that takes away my joy. You remember the song, This Joy That I Have? The world didn't give it to me. Where are you getting your joy from? Because if it's in this world, it's come and go. But it's, if it's coming from God, it doesn't matter what situation you Paul says, count it all joy. Right? I heard somebody else say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. To be filled with joy is to be filled with the Spirit of God. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, right? Those who are full of joy have no need to search for fulfillment in anything Else, what are you filling yourself with? That's really what it comes down to. If you walk in the spirit, you're not going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. Look where it keeps pointing back to God. So why take your focus off of him to begin with? If the enemy's coming to tempt you, that's because he's trying to distract you. But you can't be distracted if you're focused. Amen. So let's stay focused. God bless you. I'm sorry I went over time. But I hope you've been blessed by the lesson.